Today is very special. We're going to go on a journey together. That's true. So <laughs> grab your passport, pack your bags, get yes. ready. In uh, the next several episodes, we're going to talk to you about the supernatural. Amen. I'm talking about the real supernatural. That's right. And most Christians really don't know where they are. They're really... And the supernatural. They're really not located themselves right. uh, uh, spiritually. And so uh, the next few episodes, we're going to get on a plane. We're going to hop to this country. Let's go to India. Let's go to Africa. Let's go here. Let's go there. And I'm going to talk to you about some do's and don'ts because we're, we're, we're not just going to teach some Christians or some kids in Sunday school or even a pastor's conference where we're all nice Christians we're dealing with. We're going to do open air crusades where we're fighting hell, where hell knows who we are. They know we're coming and we're going to be casting devils out of people. We're actually going into hell's backyard, the devil's backyard and rescuing people. And, and it's a fight. And so we're going to talk to you about that because you need to be prepared. You don't That's want right. to go ill prepared. And so many Christians are exactly not prepared for that. So stay with us. It's going to be a great several shows and uh, I think you're going to learn some things and, and, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Welcome today to More Than Conquerors program, Terry Mize Ministries. We are delighted to be here with you and to share with you these wonderful things we've been talking about over the last several episodes. I would encourage you to go back to episode one and start with us on this journey of helping you learn to live in the supernatural. Amen. And then those of you that feel led to go to a, a mission field geographical location, uh, there is preparation. Um, uh, there is the time that it's going to take for you to process uh, the liability, the counting the cost, as the Bible says. And then over in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter said, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. And this is a key phrase, in due season, in due time. That due time preparation, the journey, the path building, uh, the growth process is to grow you from immaturity with uh, where you're having to learn self-discipline and all of these things and grow in the Word of God into out of adolescence into the mature Christian that can walk in the Spirit, take spiritual authority, know their due season, and be able to bear the fruit that God intends you to have. And it all starts with from the heart the renewing of the mind, maturing of the soul, and growing in the Word of God, learning in prayer and in study of the Word of God how to have the supernatural. And what you've learned is lifestyle. Well, absolutely. You know, I absolutely. Learn, I had to learn it or die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and the humility side of that, Terry, is that we've got to do it God's way. Oh, absolutely. We can't have a better you know, we idea. We were talking uh, on, on last week's program, I think it was, you read the scripture that said, uh, uh, don't be hasty. And we said that, yeah. mean, that meant don't Proverbs be impatient. Proverbs 19, don't be 2 and 3. Don't be impatient. 
Because yep. most most ministries, when they start out, just like you and Dean and Jackie and I, when we start out, man, we were just chomping to be it. We're going to change the world. We're going to, you know, y'all are going to pastor. Useful and, zeal. And, and we were going to go to the mission fields. Yeah. And just, you know, and, right. and sure enough, you did, y'all did pastor, and we did go to the mission fields. Right. And we've had successes, but it wasn't overnight. No, it wasn't overnight. And we, we thought it was going to be, hey, you know, yeah. overnight. Over hasty. You know, you get in a hurry and you jump. <laughs> you miss the mark is what the Bible says. that's where says. I was telling the story last last program or program before when we were talking about this, that some missionaries get duped or deceived. Yes. Because they're so anxious. They're yes. so impatient. They're so hasty you grab to, write a, to, write, to write a glowing report back home. Yeah. Because the church is supporting you back home. And so you want to tell them, hey, I'm your boy's doing good. Your girl's doing good. Yeah, right. And so uh, a crooked uh, foreigner, national, uh, that's maybe an interpreter or something will come up and hook up with you, and you you yeah. hook you hook your plow to their to their team, and 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 you write this report back home. Say, hey, I've got God's given me a supernatural, giving me an interpreter. I met right. at the grocery store, the airport, and uh, he's got <laughs> oh, you know he's Jesus. put me in forty five churches to preach in, and so I'm just you know just doing wonders and wonders, and could be the big know, bad wolf, and uh, and then find out later this guy's a crook. Yeah, and he just he spots young missionaries and knows how to work the system, and knows that the church at home sent him money, so he figured out how to get some of it. Wow. And then pretty soon, the young missionary finds out this guy isn't really on the up and up. That's maybe right. Maybe he's living in sin. You know, maybe he's on drugs. Maybe he's got a mistress. Maybe he's an alcoholic or something. You know, but all yeah. of a sudden, you've you've hooked your star to his your your wagon to his star, and. Uh, well, now the missionary has to decide, do I come clean and write the church at home right, and say, I was right. deceived, I was I was duped, I'm sorry, uh, this guy wasn't the right guy, this guy was from hell, not from heaven? Or do they? the missionary then has an integrity problem and says, eh, if I just keep going with him, he's not that bad. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm not sinning. I mean, it's not. So, yeah. And so then they keep writing the glowing reports back home. And, and, and that's a slippery slope uh, well, that, that'll the, put you in the ditch. Yeah. Um, and, and yet... Um, they lack the emotional uh, immaturity oh, of, of discerning of spirits. And part of that, part of that is on the church at home because they're expecting and putting pressure yeah, on pressure. the young yeah. missionary to write us write a glowing report. report. We're sending yeah. you, you know, ten dollars a month. You ought to be giving us great reports. <laughs> when I first got out of the army, I went straight to the to Mexico to the mission fields. And uh, I, I spent time with a missionary named Wayne Myers. Wayne's 100 years old this year, still preaching. And I ran into a lifestyle that absolutely pricked my heart, grabbed hold of me. I saw a, a man that was living to give. I mean, he, he, was, he was living his life on planet Earth with the purpose of blessing somebody, lifting somebody, embracing somebody. And I saw that. I said, ah, this is it. I, this is the, I'm, I'm embracing this. And I right there made a vow to God and to myself, and I said, this is how I will live the rest of my life, living to give because it's the very nature of God. So I wanna encourage you to hook up with that same lifestyle of giving. I mean, embrace it, living to give. And you can give to your local church, you can give to other ministries. I've partnered with ministries since around the world since I was a teenager. And I tell you, God's blessed me for it. I wouldn't trade it. You can also partner with us. We're always happy to embrace partners. We pray for them every day. But as long as you hook up with that concept, that lifestyle of God, living to give, then it'll be a blessing to others and it'll certainly be a blessing to you.
and it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work overnight. Now, like That's I said, right. I, oh, with me, it did work real quickly. You know, thank yeah. God yeah. I, I didn't have one of those missionary stories that, that are so common right. where I spent years and years before I ever won a soul. I mean, I started winning souls immediately yes. and yes. started having healing and miracles immediately. Amen. Uh, so thank God for that. I mean, I'm ever grateful for that. Uh, but, but by the same token, I listened to some veterans, you know, I mean, right. I mean, God somehow, and I've told you this before, but God all my life, and I, I've never known why, but God all my life gave me favor with older ministers. Right. You know, I met Brother John Osteen when I was uh, 15 years old and, and he liked me. You know, and we we, we, we became friends right, uh, right. as I got older, you know, and went into ministry and stuff. Uh, then he respected what I did. Uh, I met Brother Hagen the next year when I was 16 years old, mm -hmm. you know, and so I had these veterans. And then I met Wayne Myers, who's right. now 100 years old <laughs> and still preaching, wow. still my yes. mentor, my spiritual father. Yes. Uh, and, and I met him when I was 18. Right. So, you know, I remember those days, 15 Brother Hagin at 16, Brother Myers at 18. So I had some real veteran no, really. generals Absolutely. that I could bounce things off of. The best. Uh, and, and, and it was always cautious, never wanted to do anything to dis disappoint them. Never wanted them to, you know, have to clean my plow or chew me out, you know. Uh, and, uh, of course, I met Brother Summerall, you know, and, and met Hilton Sutton and met T.L. Osborne and met... Well, Robert, I'm not talking about I met them. You know, they were friends of mine. And we became friends, spent lots of time with every one of those ministers. That's right. Lots of meals, lots of visits, lots of phone calls, lots of preaching together. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't just, hey, I heard a tape, you know, of Brother Hagin. No, no, no. Well, you know, we were friends. And, uh, and so I was always able to bounce things off of them. And uh, I remember one time I was praying for a young man. Uh, I say young man, he's 12 years old that had leukemia and was dying. And uh, uh, he was in the hospital in Tulsa. At that time, Will Roberts had started a hospital called City of Faith. Right. And all the doctors were spirit-filled and the nurses were spirit-filled. And it was just a marvelous place. I mean, if you're going to yes. go, you go to the hospital, that's the place to go. Exactly. And uh, this young man, I had known most of his life. Here he is, 12 years old, and, and uh, he's got leukemia and no hope. And so, you know, I, I, they called me and I went up to the City of Faith to the hospital and uh, visited him, prayed for him numbers of times. And finally, in the last stages before he died, uh, I spent four days there in his room, never slept, never left, <laughs> didn't eat. I mean, I was praying and praying and praying and praying. And, and uh, when I realized this isn't going good, and I said, Lord, I'm used to praying for people and something happened. And I'm praying for him and nothing's happening. Right. And so I actually called Oral Roberts on the phone. And I said, Oral, you know, pray. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. And then I called Richard Roberts on the phone. Richard, pray. Then I called Kenneth Copeland on the phone. Kenneth. And so I had that advantage. I right. called Brother Hagen, you know, Dad, pray. So I had the advantage of these these elders and generals. And, you know, I wasn't up there just, just whistling Dixie. But but even though they prayed, and, and um, I think maybe Richard might have even come up there and, and with me and laid hands on it a long time ago, but but he ended up dying anyway. Right. Uh, and I was just, just almost destroyed over that. And I just, of course, I hadn't eaten, slept, anything for four days. And so uh, it was Christmas Eve when he passed away. And so I had to get my wife, Jackie, uh, to, to take me across town. I got to tell his brothers and sisters he's not coming home for Christmas or ever. 
And I was just sobbing like a baby, you know. And uh, and I, uh-huh. I said, Lord, I might as well have been fishing. I might as well have been at Disneyland. I might as well have been doing something. Else. I mean, me being at the hospital made no difference. And I said, that's weird. I, I'm supposed to make a difference. I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm used to miracles, healings. Right, right. And, uh, and so, uh, so I went over there and, and just, you know, told them that. But then I got home and I called Brother Hagan. And I said, Dad, that boy died. And I said, I just had to go tell his siblings he's not coming home for Christmas. I said, and now David Ingalls and I are going to do his funeral. David's going to do the music, and I'm going to preach the sermon, preach to officiate. And I said, I don't. And I was just, you know, still emotionally distraught and and um, and, and I'm mad. I'm upset. You know, I said, what am I going to tell people? What am I going to do? And I had that advantage of talking to that general, that father in the faith. And he said, Terry, pull it together. Get yourself together. He said, you did everything you could do. Everything was done that could be done. And he, he died. He went to heaven. And you don't know why. Right. And he said, now you can ask the Lord. He said, you can just flat out ask God why. And he said, and sometimes he'll tell you. And sometimes he won't. And he said, the Bible says two things here. He says, the Bible says, you can be sure that the judge of the earth doeth right. He said, so you can know that right now, that God does right. That's right. And he said, the second thing you can know is that the scripture says the secret things are of the Lord. Right. And he said, so some things are secret. And you can ask him and sometimes he'll tell you. But sometimes he says, I'm going to tell you. Or sometimes he'll tell you years later when you mature a little bit. But he said, right now, your job is to suck it up, get it together, preach that boy's funeral, help people, minister to the people, you know, and uh, and do your job. Right. And I had that advantage of, of hearing from these older. So I'm just not out there just doing my own, you know, doing my own thing. And sure enough, the Lord did show me later some things that I'm, I'm not going to talk about. But uh, right. uh Another thing, uh, my my first wife Jackie, when her mother passed away in 1978, uh, uh, she, uh, she just died just suddenly like that. She had asthma. I uh, had an asthma attack one day, and they rushed her to the hospital, and she died. I can't. I don't understand how you could die of asthma in a hospital. Mm-hmm. It was like they could have saved her, but anyway, she died. And uh, so Jackie was distraught. I was distraught, and and I got a, the phone rang, and it's John Osteen. And he said, Terry, it's, it's Brother John. It's Pastor John. You know how he was. This yeah. is pastor. It's your pastor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, I just heard that Jackie's mother passed away. And I said, yes, sir. I don't know how he heard it. And uh, he said, well, let me tell you a couple of things. And this is 1978, Renee, and yet it's helped me till today. Right. These old generals give you a give you a nugget, Just a little bitty, or give you a word, or yeah. give you a sentence or a, a phrase. phrase. And and I mean, here I am, 40 years later. Right. On that one, 50 years later, 55 years later, on something else, Brother Osteen told me when I was just 18 years years old, I still live by today. Just a phrase. Right. Just a phrase. And uh, he said, uh, you need to know when someone passes. He said, the first thing you do is you don't ever, ever, never, if it. Never say, if. If I'd have been there. If I hadn't said that, if I hadn't gone there, if I hadn't stopped for that cup of coffee, if I right. had have stopped for that cup of coffee. Such good he advice. said, you will drive yourself crazy. It will torment you if you live in that if, if, if they had, if they had not, if I had, if I had not. He said, never do that. So here it is 
You know, that was 1978. Here it is 45 years later. Right. I, I still give that counsel to people when somebody passes away. I say, all right, we're not going to if it. We're well, not going to if it. And those but are, that was a general that I could yeah. go to as a, as, a, as a young minister to the, to the, to the veteran minister. Right. Th those are areas where your walk in the spirit, your level of maturity moving out of adolescence mm -hmm. into areas where you're called upon to take very serious spiritual authority in yes. a situation, and it can be a slippery ditch. Yes, it can you be. Know, you Actually, can... these programs <clears throat> today are doing the same thing that Brother Hagin and Brother Osteen did for me. Right. Is we're veteran missionaries <laughs> sitting here telling you how to handle how to some handle situations. If some, you'll listen, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll get helped. Some very... Or there's the slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, that, that slippery ditch out there, that, that area, the trial or test that can make you or break you, uh, depending on who you listen to, who you don't, you know. Oh, uh, my the, goodness, yes. the, You know, it's like Proverbs 31 says over there, it says, there are those who in that destroy kings. Other scriptures that say these people were set for your destruction, that you grow up a little bit, you get ready to go, you've got the call, you've got the anointing, you've been pouring on the prayer life, you've been studying the word, you're at a place where you feel like you're, you know, you're, you're able to go do some things. You've had a few successes and yet you can miss it by uh, not listening to the Holy Spirit, exactly. not listening to your mentors. Uh, you think exactly. you've got it so far, you've done well so far, but humility will be the thing that'll make or break you uh, to where you don't go to get advice. Mm -hmm. You don't go to find out if, now, why did I fail or why did this yeah. not work? Like yeah. it was, you, you may not have failed at all. It may just be what we, I've told the Lord so many times, Terry, I've said, it's obvious, apparent, I have misunderstood something. <laughs> I, have, I misunderstood. Talking to God in World War II. Yeah, I misunderstood where we were going. I always told my classes, you know, I, I heard the first paragraph, but I didn't stay for the second paragraph, mm -hmm. you know? And it's well, so important it, for us to not be over hasty or overconfident in the flesh. Just stop and think. It, it's the same way in the natural that, that you are with your parents. Right. You know, kids grow grow up, love their parents, think they're 10 feet tall and ride a white horse. Then they get to be teenagers, mid-teens, somewhere in there, and they, eh, mom and dad don't know anything. And that'll kind of last even maybe through your 20s and 30s. Eh, right. mom and old and dad's yeah. old. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're old school. Dangerous and all of a sudden you processes. hit about 40 years old yeah. and you think, wow, mom and dad's not so dumb after no, all. No, that's right. They're, the they were pretty smart. On. And then you go back to them and yeah. ask for advice again. Well, you, you can do the same thing in, in, in the, in the right. spirit with that's your right. spiritual. I, I call it the teenage years. No, that's right. You know, there's, there's right. nations, Renee, I've been to, been to year after year after year, help people, help nations, help build churches, establish the word of faith. Right. Uh, and I mean, they would just hang on what I said and they would count me as an apostle. And right. they'd say, well, Brother Terry's our apostle. And he said this and this. And I mean, they'd just, and it worked. And all of a sudden, after about 10, 12, 15 years, you'd think they'd really be mature. Right. They fall into being a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's, it's, all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't need to listen to you anymore. We, we know That's how right. to hear from God for ourselves. Yeah. Well, we, well, we want this. Well, we want that. I remember one time in New Zealand, I'd been there and I'd helped them. I'd established churches and helped build churches and taught them. I mean, I mean, I poured into that nation and into the people. And, uh, and and they would listen to me, and and, and and it would work. And then all of a sudden, uh, I started going over there. You know, I'd go every year. And uh, 
all of a sudden, some they'd say kind of at lunch or different things or in church. I'd just hear these little murmurs and say, "Well, you know, we, you know, we're, we don't really need American preachers anymore. We, yes. we're, we need we need our own people. We need New Zealand preachers." We have seen that. And and, and so I'd and say to them, I'd say, "Guys, I've got a question for you." And I said, "What's that, brother Terry?" I said, "When did I become an American?" Yeah, right. I said, "You didn't used to see me as an American. You used to see me as an apostle." used to see me as a man of God. You used to see me as a minister. And all of a sudden now I'm an American. American. When have I ever been an American? I said, there's nothing wrong with you having preachers from New Zealand. I mean, I'm I'm ministering to you to raise up preachers from New Zealand. But don't get that idea that, well, we're better. Well, hey, we should have a Kiwi preach because uh, we don't need Americans anymore. That's just such a subtle I've said in Africa in huge crusades, you know, uh, where where I'm the only only American there and have some... Uh, 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 African leader stand up and preach. Who's a friend of mine who I've been in their home? Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden he'd stand up and say, "We don't need white missionaries anymore. We don't need American missionaries anymore." We, I'm thinking, what? I mean, I'm the only one here he could possibly be talking about. Yeah, right. Out of out of two thousand people here, I'm the only one. And it's like, when did I become an American? Right. When did I become a white missionary? I mean, I've been in your home. I've eaten your meals. I, I've trained you in the Word of Faith. I've you've seen miracles. You've seen. You know, and all of a sudden, now you know what. And and so, you know, it's the same way in the natural world. It can be the same way in the spiritual world. And, you know, I love what you said a while ago about you need to know who to listen to and who to ignore. Right. You know, I've got this whole sermon on, on, uh, that I haven't done in forever, Uh, this whole sermon on on who should you listen to. Right. Or know who to listen to. Know who to listen to. And know who to ignore. Yeah. And when you said that, well, I just popped up some notes and uh, uh, it says here, you, you can't listen to the people who speak against God and his word. You must listen and obey God, follow him and ignore those who go against God. And I said, know who to ignore. The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, ignored the commandment of the king of Nebuchadnezzar to bow down to the idol. Right. They ignored it. They knew who to ignore. Right. Yet it was going to be at the cost of their life. He said, I'll put you in the burning fiery furnace and make it seven times hotter and kill you. But they ignored him and they followed God. That's right. And yes. then and then uh, Moses' mother ignored the king's command. Right. The king's command said kill all the right. kill all the baby boys. Well she made a little little bassinet boat and put it in the river. You know, made sure the Pharaoh's daughter would find it. So she ignored the king's command. Then you've got the the wise men ignored Herod's command to return so and tell good. them about Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty three. Then the, then uh, uh, or Matthew two twelve. The other one was eleven twenty three. Matthew ignored uh, Matthew Daniel. Daniel ignored the king's law not to pray. Right. Daniel chapter six. The king said, "Don't pray, or you're going to lions den." He stood up and prayed anyway. He ignored the king yeah. and he followed yeah. God. Yeah. And then Jesus ignored the Pharisees. David ignored his brothers when they said, "What are you doing out here yeah. at the war?" Uh, John ignored the circumstances on the Isle of, pa- of Patmos, and when he's in prison, uh, Abraham ignored his body, which was now dead. Ignored Sarah, Sarah's body, which right. was now dead. And said, "We can have a baby." Right. Sarah ignored her own body. Right. Peter ignored. Considered not. Peter okay. ignored his exhaustion in Luke five five, and went ahead and did what Jesus told him, even though he was tired. Paul ignored his chains. Acts sixteen twenty five. Nehemiah 
ignored uh, Sanzibalat and Tobah and Nehemiah 6, 3. Gideon ignored his family's history in Judges. I mean, I, I'm going and on. That's the, wonderful. You need to know who to ignore. Yes. And who <laughs> to follow. What a great principle. And who to follow. That's because awesome. Because some of these people you'd never heard of before, like Gideon. Right. And then all of a sudden he becomes the, a, a great champion and a great leader. That's right. Simply because he ignored what was going on? The son, and, yet, and yet Samson ignored his father, which he should have never done. Should have never, ever His done. father said, son, don't be dating these, these heathen girls. Exactly. Don't be dating these girls that worship idols and other gods. Stay with the Hebrew girls. Stay with God's people. Marry you, marry you a godly girl. Right. And Samson said, no, I want the painted woman. I want this woman. I want that woman. And, and he ignored his father, disrespected him, dishonored him. Exactly. And... Well, you know what happened to him? He got in captivity. They, they wow. poked his eyes out with hot irons and he, and, he, and he died in the house of the Philistines. That is just, that's a wonderful biblical truth. You need to know who to listen to. Right. And you need to know and who to ignore. And I, see, I think, I think that's been an advantage all my life. I listened to those exactly. veterans and I ignored the voices, and the popular agree. voices and the people that said, well, here's what I think and here's what I think and here's what I, oh, no, no, I don't care what you think. I'm going to listen to the veterans and I'm going to listen to God. Exactly. Well, but, you know, while you're talking about all that, too, I'm thinking about how you've, you've ended up, you know, going into places where you had to ignore people, circumstances, weather, oh, religion, absolutely. Uh, even people that were with you. You had to ignore those voices like David did, you know, with his older brother. He just his brother said, you're doing this and you're doing accusing him. Right. And he just turned and said, now, now tell me again what they're going to do. Exactly. Tell me what <laughs> you know, the, the, the reward is for, for killing Goliath. Yeah, for what the reward was. But, you know, and and believing God for the supernatural, many times it it is a rough road that you go on, your, the, the journey that you take from what God told you to take and then all the things you encounter along the way to be pitfalls. Exactly. And I'm going to go after the super. We're still going to have blind eyes open. Exactly. We're still going to have deaf ears open. And when you say we're pitfalls, gonna, there you're talking about what we're talking about is the yeah, slippery slope. The slippery if slope. you don't watch out, you start listening to the voices yeah. and listening to the people and listening to the opinions instead of listening to what God said or the veteran minister said and you end up down in a ditch. You can, you know, the, I guess the thing we all need to realize it recognizes our humanity and the fact that we can fail at any time. Yeah. We can make a wrong decision. We can, we can uh, get too heady and high-minded, as the Bible says. We can uh, get, you know, so exalted in our own thinking and self-deceived, which is really where, where most deception is. It's in mm -hmm. the own yeah, soul. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can be self-deceived about things. But walking in the realm of the supernatural power of God requires very close contact with your conscience mm -hmm. and the mind of God, the it Word of God. spiritual authority. Yeah, that you stay under authority yes. all the time. You know, no, Jonah you chose to ignore that, God. That didn't work out. Yeah, no, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... He became fish food. <laughs> you know, that that's just absolutely stunning when you realize that the Bible, like you've said so many times, records the failures yeah. as much as, as the much successes. As the successes of our and heroes. The, the supernatural... And so you learn from those yeah. failures just like you learn from the successes. Exactly. Say, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Why, why make the same mistake they made? Why don't I just do it right? No, that's right. I hope on our next. Out of time again. I hope on our next program you talk about all these supernatural things that happened in the Bible and where did those things come from and how did we do that? Because 
you know, there's going to come a time in your life as you pursue the Lord, you're going to start having miracles. You're going to start having, you're going to start having over and over and over again. You're going to see those things. Yeah, just stay in a place of prayer and in due season, these things will begin to manifest. Well, I tell you what, our time is gone for today and we have got to just leave you one more time. Thank God for heaven (laughs) and the new earth. But we just want to tell you one more time that you are more More than than conquerors. God bless you.